Yeah. Okay. Here we go. My name is Daniel Shiner. My name is Daniel Kwan. We are a writing directing duo who uh, have like. Oh no! I'm blowing it. We started out in music videos, and now we're doing feature films and TV stuff. But mostly, it's all unified by doing really absurdist visual effects, heavy, uh, but heart filled dramedies. Yeah, like turned down for what and a bunch of frosted people music videos and Swiss Army Man, the farting corpse movie. That's us. That's all you need to know. How many seconds was that? Ooh, that was that was fast enough. Okay, okay. <laughs> I liked it. So. You guys um, are are interesting to me from the lineup this week because there's like, um, I don't know, hopefully no one takes this the wrong way, but there's like people who are doing, you know, a certain kind of commercial work and active right now. And then there's like, we just listen to Michael Slovis talk, Mm. who's like high level, but is also not super young and new to the industry necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then you guys got out of film school six years ago-ish? Just about, yeah. And... You have like a I don't know how many hits are on the turn down for what video now? I would say, I would say like six hundred million last time I checked. Like a two like billion, a stupid, a stupid whole bunch, way too yeah. many. Yeah, <laughs> and you have a theatrically released feature film with mm-hmm. with Harry Potter himself. Harry Potter, yeah. yep, and the real uh, Harry Potter. That's pretty crazy for a very short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, that happened. Yeah, I was just saying as we were walking back to the hotel, is like like coming to this thing is making me feel like. Uh, just so lucky. Oh my! God. I don't understand why we got so lucky uh, to to get to make the stuff that we well, do. Yeah, we were, we were talking about this actually in another interview about how uh, we kind of just hit this really good serendipitous crossroads of things. Um, right when we were in college, the Five D Mark II was uh, was just released. Right when we were coming out of uh, school, and uh, that was like kind of a huge leap towards like anyone being able to make things that looked pretty decent. And that was huge. Um, Vimeo.com had just happened and that was like a really great platform for us and not many people knew about it, but it was still like full of, filled with like inspi- inspiring work. And, and YouTube incredible. started while I was in college. Right, I was in exactly. a comedy troupe. Yeah. And so then I guess spent most of my college career making the maximum number of movies I could to right. see if one of them would be a YouTube hit. Right. Like quantity over quality. And then, um, right. He was quantity over quality and he was doing a lot of improv and theater and comedy. I was the kind of person who would make like one thing every couple of years I was doing animation and like, um, and we just had different skill sets and we kind of like smashed them together. Um, with the 5D, with the Vimeo, all that stuff kind of combined. There's a guest here, Dan. Oh, whoa. Secret surprise podcast guest. Does Josh need to do something? Oh, the bolts. Yeah. Oops. The bolts on. We locked him My bad. That was my bad. We uh, we we broke your flow. Oh yeah, yeah, not at all. This um, is the danger of a hotel room interview. <laughs> I love it. This hotel's wild. This is the guys. danger and the magic. Oh man, he left. Okay, now the magic's gone. Well then. Um, but yeah, so all those things kind of like uh, turned co- us into coalesced. super lucky babies. Yeah, coalesced into like a really good wave that we found, and we were able to ride it, and we were able mm-hmm. to put stuff on the internet, and people were able to see it, and then now we're here. It's yeah. really odd. Yeah. Yeah. So super, I mean, obviously super talented, but also a little bit of right place, right time going on. Mostly there. right place, right time. A, <laughs> yeah, little, yeah. a little bit of talent. Yeah. Just, Not a lot. Yeah. But we're, we're nice guys. There's so a book called Guns, Germs and Steel. That's like all about how like most of history's events could be like analyzed from the perspective of just like, uh, what viruses were around and what kind of wheat was available. Yeah. And you could say like, oh, that's why this like Europe 
you know, flourished. Right. Um, right. And we're just we're just kind of like that. There, there weren't enough viruses to kick, kill us. We were in the right place for the <laughs> right, right place at the right time. Yeah, exactly. A lot of wheat available mm-hmm. to film kids right. in 2009. If, if we didn't make turn down for what someone else would have made turn yeah, down yeah, for yeah. what. That's how, that's how I look at it. Fair <laughs> it's enough. Like, it's like Newton discovered the laws of physics the same time someone else did across, like all the way across the globe. Right. He mm-hmm. just, he just got all the credit cause he got there first. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. I can, um, I mean, I guess I can kind of see that, but it's still, yeah. still, still makes it super legit. So for you guys, you know, so you went to film school, which can be, you know, more or less common, I feel like, depending on who you're talking to, mm-hmm. uh, this this era of filmmaking now, mm-hmm. especially post-5D. I feel like you guys were almost right before the hump of everyone stopped going to film school and just started making stuff. Is that what yeah. happened? Oh, that wow. sounds lovely. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I didn't go to film school. Mm, I also yeah. have not made Turn Down for What, so I oh. think there's a one-to-one going to film school. <laughs> no, no. Highly increases those odds. <laughs> so what... What was kind of the the impetus for you guys to go to film school? Like you're in a comedy troupe, you're mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. Did you want to be feature directors? Like what was that kind of pre starting to take off? What was your intentionality going into that? I I went to school for theater and film and like specifically picked my college because it was one of the only ones that would let me like pursue both. Um so like I did not know what I wanted to do and like specifically like picked a school where I didn't have to choose what I was going to do. Uh, so like when I, even when I graduated, I, I made a little reel and said I was a directotographanum actor. Um, whereas what was it? Directing, Acting, editing, editing, animating, editor, yeah. cinematographer, actor. Nice. Uh, just didn't pan out. I got zero work from that reel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually went to film school because I was like absolutely desperate, which sounds kind of funny, but I went to another school. Um, University of Connecticut. University of Connecticut. Dude, UConn. Um, UConn, yeah. You going I, for that basketball? Oh, yeah, I love basketball. <laughs> and uh, they Those did, of you at home, Dan Kwan is a huge seven foot. Seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah. Really big Caucasian. arms. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I hated it there. And I, 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 I was going in for like, I wanted to do like business eventually because I thought like doing the safe thing would be smart because um, I didn't think I was that good at most things. So I'm like, oh, let's go safe. And I was just so miserable that I was like, you know what? I may as well do something that I actually enjoy if I'm, if you know, otherwise like I'm not going to want to like, like even keep on. I don't, I wouldn't even want to, you know, survive um, any longer. Uh, so I, I went to film school almost as like as a last ditch effort and I found I was actually, um, pretty good at it, mostly because I was so scared. Because I, I went in, and all these freshmen were like, you know, th- three films deep, you know, um, and knew everything about every movie. And I was like a sophomore transfer student who didn't know anything about movies. I didn't know anything about. Um, I didn't know the difference between film and digital. I was like so blind. I was so like new to it all, and so I was so scared that it made me like knuckle down and just like learn as fast as I could. Um, and then quickly I realized I didn't want to work with any of the people there cause, uh, I was bad at collaborating. So I just became an animator. So that's, that's, that's my trajectory. Fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> so <coughs> did that, do you feel like that played into, cause I feel like you guys kind of have a very, uh, visual effects heavy style. Mm-hmm. Is that something that, cause you have a sort of VFX background then did you also, were you into that more? Or was that more kind of where the partnership started to happen or what kind of led to that? We My met, favorite we, movies were always like stylized. 
And I like, so I would always be kind of imitating those, but without that toolkit, I did not know how to do visual effects. And Dan was sort of my teacher. But we also met in an animation class. We met in a 3D animation class. So we, we both had uh, the ability and the, and, you know, the, the eye for animation. And that, that definitely helped a lot. Um, and it kind of became, us. early in our career, it was our gimmick where we were like, hey, bands, like, give us $5,000 and we can, like, make you fly or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good, you were magicians. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so in, we, the, in the low-budget music video world, learning After Effects, like, will, will, you will kill. Yeah, it was it's huge. Re- it's really, yeah. Because you, you, can, you can, like, double, triple your budget. Um, theoretically, if you just can just like do a couple things, clean up a couple things mm-hmm. in post, all these things that like um, you kind of take for granted, um, you can like you can just really zoom through it like a one day shoot, knowing that there's so many flaws that you can fix in post, which is like not good filmmaking, but it's good filmmaking for the resources you have. Right, and that's how we were able to succeed. Right. Well, and After Effects doesn't have a, a hard cost to it most times. You know, it's labor. So yeah. like, we have to go buy a bunch of crazy stuff. We just go spend 20 hours in After Effects instead right. so we can stretch the budget. So. Exactly. Yeah. That Which we're still doing. We still do. <laughs> yeah. We did yeah. it on Swiss Army Man. We did like, there were too many effects. And so like a post house did all the hard ones, but we, we did like. 200 of the 300? Yeah, yeah. I did I did you effects did so on my laptop. I would yeah. just like sit really? and like take, get rid of blinks in After Effects for like... Daniel Radcliffe blinks. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. So you guys get out of school, start working together, and make a couple big online videos. Mm-hmm. Were you ever doing like, I don't want to say traditional, but like how did you guys pay the bills while you're making these viral videos, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we we'd make a little bit of money off of the videos. Like we always tried to make sure we made something. You yeah. know, like we ne- we we never like did spec stuff after a certain point. Like in college, we did a lot. We would enter all these video contests, like enter the commercial contests and things. But like it was important to me that like no matter how low the budget was, like let's pay ourselves just a little bit. And yeah. then so we were living off of that stuff sometimes, and then we would do. Um, commercials every once in a while uh which would pay a little bit more depending on the commercial sometimes about the same as a music video uh but usually if you do like we would do like er, like early on we do like one commercial and that would sustain us for at least a little bit longer for us to continue doing music videos and things like that um and even earlier on we would do things like color correct some little short video for someone or edit something for someone or you know like all these little odd jobs Mm -hmm. that um we were okay at we weren't amazing colorists or visual effects artists, but like enough to get paid for something on the side. So that was kind of, that was definitely useful. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't until we got into this groove where we would do like one big commercial a year that would sustain us for most of the year. And then we'd make sure on all of our music videos, we'd get at least a little bit of money right. to like pay for, um, <coughs> expenses, basically the, the cost of living. Right. Um, and then, and then the next year we would do another big commercial and then that was sustained for the rest of the year. Um, until we, and basically that's what we've been doing until we, we got to this point and we're now we've made this movie and hopefully we can find a way to sustain ourselves off of that off of feature films. So, um, kind of <coughs> along that front, um, you start out as the two of you and start adding people and now you're a directing duo. Mm-hmm. Were you 
hooking up with production companies at any point or were you guys also producing everything and hiring crew or like what was that mm. middle phase like for you right very very early on we partnered we we partnered with two different production companies that did like commercials and music videos so we for a little while we were on this we're on warp warp films it was like warp records film department in the UK and then uh, pretty bird who we still work with in the US and then Warp Films shuttered their doors, and we just have just been with Pretty Bird <coughs> uh, since like that first year in 2000. Sorry, guys, Dan's sick, so that's that <laughs> so crinkling sick. awful sound. Does this sound good? That. Oh, that's a yeah, that's, that's a Halls or rapper. Yeah. yeah, but he's still so nice as to try to talk. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate it, um, dude, dude. Sick Dan beats no Dan any day. Yeah. So, so we've we we've always leaned very heavily on great producers. Uh, we we sort of produce and we think a lot about the budget, but like we almost never actually do the budget um, unless the budget's below five hundred dollars. I've, I've produced <laughs> quite a few five hundred dollars uh, things. Fifty dollars yeah. short films. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Best friend sweating was about. Yeah, bucks. We've, we've been pretty lucky that like um, almost as soon as we started doing music videos, we got a producer who has been kind of like by our side most of the time. So at f- first that was a guy named Gaetano Krupe Jr., which is such a producer name, <laughs> Gaetano Krupe Jr. Um, but he ended up going back to school. And then uh, our buddy, John Wong, who's uh, the guy who also produced our, our feature film. He's just he's been, been with our- us since we did the Battles Falling Down the Stairs music video, which right. is like 2012. Yeah, that was a while ago. So, A while ago. Four years ago isn't that long ago. It feels <laughs> like a long time. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. So for you guys, you know, it was interesting. You you spoke this morning at Masters in Motion, which was entertaining as well as educating. As Thank edu- you. Educational. I can't oh, talk about it. Oh, man, we <laughs> failed. You sound stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't it. say we a basic it. word. <laughs> so <laughs> something that, that stood out, to me, which is maybe painfully obvious, but is that we live in a culture that is has grasped onto the like seeming randomness of what the internet grasps onto. And it's something mm-hmm. that people want and that it's something that a lot of even smaller and mid-sized directors and production companies get asked. It's like, oh, we want to make a viral video, you mm-hmm. know? And it's a seemingly uh, ethereal thing, you know, looking from the outside. And so we, you guys broke down the, the man punching the kangaroo video, mm-hmm. which is this week's big Facebook hit. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting to me that there is an intentionality to quantifying those seemingly ethereal things that do lead to these things getting picked up still. And you mm-hmm. can't necessarily create a hundred percent success of like whether people are actually going to grab onto it, but something like the turn down for what video, mm-hmm. which if you were to briefly glimpse at it or Swiss army man, it's like kind I don't know, nonsensical. I don't know if that's an offensive term, but, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but there is a, there is a lot of thought that goes into it. And so you guys are, are riding this line of creating content that very well, fits the seeming ridiculousness of a Reddit, 4chan, internet-based culture, totally. yeah. but is also very intentional and very stylized and has a message to it. Yeah, And that, I feel like, is something that not many people are doing. And I think that's probably, obviously, part of why you guys have done so well. Do you have any insight to people who want to kind of create their own voice and their own take on something like that, not replicating what you guys are doing, mm-hmm. but being able to kind of analyze how have you built your voice and how have you found a way into that non-traditional, non-like simple, you know, um, save the cat storytelling <laughs> methodology. Right. How do people get there? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
we don't know, but uh, <laughs> like as you're saying that, it made me think about you know uh, uh, what our message is uh, today. We had so many messages. We don't know. We made up all sorts of silly things, <laughs> but that um, that like I'd love to see good stories, like you're saying. Like I'd love to see like people with a story to tell reach an audience, and 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 unfortunately, the the stories that are reaching a big audience, like. I don't know. They don't seem that good to me. Uh, so I'd love it if people could start harnessing the power of like, you know, like analyzing, breaking down viral videos and whatever, like what, what does it take to reach an audience and then putting some like substance in there? Um, yeah, we call it like uh, Trojan horsing it. You know, you, you, you wrap, you, you wrap your, your heart in something that will spread, you know, something that will, will bust through the gate and find a way, um, into people's, uh, computer screens or whatever. Um, but I mean, for us, I think a lot of it came from just, just immediate emotion, emotional reactions. Like it was never like, it's not, it was never us <coughs> excuse me, sitting down and going like, okay, how can we craft something that will be viral? Um, I feel like that, that kind of thought process is, is kind of, uh, it's just, you're just chasing your tail. It's not, it's not actually going to create anything interesting. Um, Instead, you're just going to create something that that panders. Uh, well, I think what we do is a lot of the times we we just come across a, a strange contrast or a, a weird uh, joke that makes us laugh and makes us feel something very immediate, and then we start to imagine that thing in the world beyond just the context of the two of us, and imagine, okay, what would this look like if um, if our parents saw this? And if that makes us laugh or make us uncomfortable, if we still get an emotional response, we're like, okay, that's interesting. What what happens if we take the same exact idea and put it, like, imagine it in front of a screen of like a thousand people? Mm-hmm. What does that make me feel? And if it makes me uncomfortable, if it makes me feel uh, like my adrenaline is pumping, then maybe there's something to that as well. Um, and then from there, you kind of take a step back and go, okay, now why am I going to make that? Why am I going to spend all this time uh, putting that idea out into the world? And how can I make sure that it still has uh, some sincerity and some truth to it so I don't feel like I've wasted my life? You know, I, I think in the end that's all all we really want is to make sure we're, we're, we're putting something of worth out into the world. But at the same time, we're also incredibly ADD, internet savvy uh dudes who who have seen too much stuff to to like accept most sincere things um and so our our process accidentally creates very postmodern viral videos that also sometimes um have a little bit of an emotional punch to it so um i yeah i don't i don't know if that's going to help anyone out there but like just following following things that actually attract you because if your mind has actually developed taste, um, you can trust that taste. You can trust it and say, this is actually really thrilling. Whatever this idea I came up with is actually something that I think someone else is going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just because you... you it's, uh, hopefully it's not a fluke. Hopefully the taste that you've developed is actually something that you can trust um, because the, that taste was developed by you existing in this environment, existing in the the cultural climate of right now. Um, and if it, it really is a product of the cultural climate of right now, then you probably have made something in your head that's pretty interesting. Um, which, again, is like it kind of goes into the mimetic thing. Like the memes, <clears throat> the memes in my head are a product of the memes of the overall uh, 
culture. And if the memes in my head like this thing, then there's probably someone else, there's probably other memes in other people's heads that also want this idea. Real quick, mm-hmm. yeah. for people who didn't listen to your talk this morning, can you give like the 60 second qualifier on your usage of the word meme as opposed to most people on Facebook's understanding oh, of right, pictures right. with exactly text on the them? same. We're talking about. <laughs> I have lots of funny pictures in my head. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the, the we we were talking about memetics as like a, a metaphor that uses genetics to describe ideas and the spread of ideas. Like a unit of culture is a meme. So like, uh, you know, religion is a collection of memes. Like, and we're not talking about worshiping Pepe. We're talking about <laughs> you know. Uh, just all those ideas that come along with that. And then like this, this, the smallest unit of thought or idea, that's what a meme is, is the thing that wants to replicate. And it's the thing that, uh, wants to spread all around the world and enter as many brains as possible. Mm-hmm. Just like the, just like in genetics, there's a selfish gene in memetics. There's the selfish meme and every meme wants to be, uh, Every, every meme wants to re- be remembered. Yeah. And so we thought to. it would be fun to talk about like <clears throat> film as like, like the media as one of the most powerful ways to share memes available to us today. Uh, not only as like a way to celebrate what's great about film, but as a way to like, uh, kind of like warn everyone here who's a f- aspiring filmmaker or a filmmaker. Most of us are working filmmakers that like, it's like a dangerous tool. Like you can, you can be like really, you can really accidentally hurt the wor- world by like spreading propaganda without really thinking about it, you know? Um, yeah. Like movies are empathy machines. You're able to make the audience empathize with these characters and feel what they're feeling. And so if you're like, if you're perpetuating the status quo, like you, you might be like really brainwashing your audience into thinking like everything's okay if it's not or whatever, you know, like if you're not really thoughtful about what you make, it's, it's scary. Yeah. How do you guys fight the temptation to just escalate ridiculousness or are other people pushing you to that? Like, cause I feel like that can be a a perceived danger of that style. And it's like, that's something that I associate with like Tarantino films is like, Mm -hmm. you have to find a new ridiculous thing to pull off almost. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that runs out eventually, presumably. You know, totally. I'm excited for that when that happens one day, because then we'll we'll just find something else we're excited about. But for now, I think uh, we we never chase the ridiculous uh, unless it has some sort of emotional response um, built into it. And so I think I think that's always going to be the thing that stops us if we ever find ourselves doing ridiculous things for just for the sake of being ridiculous, it's, it's, it's going to be really hard for us to, to care about that and actually try to execute that. So, and how are yeah. you discerning the difference between a valuable, ridiculous thought yeah. and a ridiculous, ridiculous thought? Yeah. Cause like the, sorry to jump in on that, no. but something you said about Swiss army man was like, we want to make someone laugh and cry because of farts. Yeah. Which is like on a certain level, a ridiculous statement. Of course it for is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also an interesting, ridiculous statement. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, it, it's a weird line. Um, I think ridiculous for the sake of it. Um, you know, we're close to that line, I guess, with trying to make people cry from a fart and, and, uh, ridiculous that's worthwhile like speaks truth to power or like uses ridiculousness in order to like um uh 
shake an audience out of their comfort zone and then like remind them of humanity. Like that was ultimately like the cry with a fart was kind of like a celebration of the power of film and the, and, and hum, humanity, like what, uh, connects us all. Like the funny thing about farts is like, we all laugh and hide, we all laugh about them. We all hide them. We're all like ashamed of them, but they're like, they're one of the only things that like every single human being of all ages and all sexes and races for all of time share. Like it's one of those like processes we can all connect to. Like, especially on a, on a humor level, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the most, it's the only universal joke. It doesn't require a uh, language or anything. Yeah. So like the, so the, the Swiss Army Man became like a very like human uh, uh, story for us when we kind of like thought of thought of it in those terms. And we're like, oh, cool. We're going to try to like remind people of like our connected humanity, but with the thing you're not supposed to put in movies if you're uh, trying to be taken seriously. Like right. what a fun challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, again, it just comes to that, that the collection of memes in your head that, that, has developed your taste. Like it'll, you, your taste will guide you. You'll you'll be able to tell right away whether or not that that ridiculous idea is ridiculous just because, or whether or not it actually speaks to something more honest. Totally. So in the last six years, you guys have spanned a enormous scope of production values and involvements and projects and whatever. Have you had any particular um, hang-ups or hard lessons to learn in that very quick jump from like two guys making YouTube videos to on a movie with Harry Potter? Um, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. Millions. Uh, I mean, the craziest leap, I was just thinking the other day or earlier today that uh, like just in the first two years, like we we suddenly were like working on commercials with like a celeb, like celebrities and stuff. And that was like the first few years were craziest. And then it's actually been a slower couple, couple years lately, uh, <clears throat> which I don't well, know. That I doesn't answer know. your question. I, I mean, like, uh, like Nike was pretty, pretty, this year has been kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a crazy, but was there time. like, yeah. maybe to clarify, was there any point where like, whether you're interacting with a, a higher brand or celebrity or something and you just, put your foot in your mouth in some way or do something that like <laughs> you're not used to being a director at this level. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden someone's either asking you to like, Hey, can you go do this or, you know, get this document ready? And you're just looking right. at them like, I've never, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause I d- have never done that before. I think, I think we've been lucky that most of our transitions have, have been mostly smooth. I definitely think moving into uh, guest directing TV was actually really hard for us because um, we just weren't used to that kind of uh, delineation of of roles. Um, we're so used we to- came in and we were like, "Oh shit, we need to figure everything out. We need to come up with some awesome shots." And like we were we were kind of like overcompensating, and then because that's what we're, we're used to having control of everything when we do music videos. Because there's no one else. We write every idea. We come up with every shot. We interact with every everyone on that level. Mm-hmm. And with guest TV directing, like you don't really call the shots. Everyone else has been on that show for way longer than you and know more than more about the characters than you do. And you're just kind of facilitating. And that was really hard for us to, to learn, um, and, and, and figure out. And I still, we haven't really figured it out yet. Right. That was something that Michael Slovis was just talking about too. Directors coming on and and have a great idea and then don't get called back. DP kind of calls the shots on this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, He said that and we were like, oops. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's just a different it's a different kind of personality that can, yeah. can do that job. And which shows were you guys working on? 
We did uh, Children's Hospital and NTSF SDSUV. Oh, cool. The two, like, Adult Swim live-action spoofy shows. That's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great casts. Yeah, Children's Hospital is, like, full of, like, some of my favorite comedians of all time. And we got brought on to do the finale of the season, which meant they were behind schedule. Like, they were shooting, you know, that episode last. They were way behind. They were writing it as we shot it. But also they wanted it to be really big, so they brought us on to blow things up. So we were like trying to juggle like, oh, we're supposed to be the 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 cool guys who are blowing things up, and also like there's literally not a script. Like, yeah, like, we like what are we, what are we doing? Yeah, we literally don't know. So we we like would choreograph fight <clears throat> scenes and then wait for the script to see if we could actually put that fight in the movie in the right. episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. So you know, and then going into Swiss Army Man, um, you did you have any struggles with like what? you can do on a scope of something like that or maybe mm-hmm. it would have even been with a commercial project before that but were mm-hmm. there any points that suddenly it was like oh we can do that like we've never been able to you know have the budget or the time or the resources or whatever and and you know you have to push into like what's possible now at a higher level I think we definitely broke that threshold with commercials before we got to Swiss Army Man I mean for a lot of our commercials we had more money per day than we had for Swiss Army Man because it was a pretty, Swiss Army Man was fairly small budget. Um, and so a lot of that stuff we were able to push through and get like some of the equipment that we um, normally wouldn't be able to get on commercials. Um, with. But with Swiss Army Man, I think um, some of the luxuries and, some, and, and the curse uh, came from the fact that we were shooting, you know, 25 days, which is not what we, we were. We, I think up, up, up to that point, we had only done a four day consecutive shoot. That was like the longest we had ever done. Um, and one of the luxuries of that is like, if you miss a scene or, or two, you can always schedule it in later and reshoot it, which is like awesome. Or when we, when we shot something and, uh, had our onset editor edit it, we could watch and be like, Oh shoot, that scene doesn't work at all. It needs this close up and needs this, uh, this insert that like on, on the day we would never have thought about getting. And so we were able to go back and get that again. Like, of course it like kind of screws with the schedule, but that was such a luxury to be able to like have the time to shoot something, edit it roughly and realize big strokes. These are the things work. missing. Yeah. yeah. So that was really great. Um, but then the, the flip side of that was realizing that it was a long shoot and every every problem kind of compounds itself and if you don't solve that problem it just starts to grow and then you start to like uh, specifically narrative problems if you didn't if you didn't figure out a character well enough it would just start to fester with every day and then it would start to grow until until it would hit the scene where it was most important and then that day would just be awful cuz because you hadn't really figured out that that scene that you've been working on and it still wasn't ready and suddenly you were shooting it and that was pretty that was pretty hard to um to to figure out so that, again this is not really technical stuff it's more that's that's more of a narrative thing but yeah i think <clears throat> technical wise like we uh we really enjoy uh <laughs> like creative problem solving so like we we rarely like approach our like we we figure out the budget problems like in the writing like long before we show up on set we're like you know we're, yeah. we're just like we're we're planning the shoot day according to what's available right uh and it's so like we did a commercial this summer that had a bunch of money and our producer was like oh we're gonna have a bunch of toys in case you want them and it like stressed me out like i hated having shit around that we weren't that we didn't need 
just in case, you yeah. know, cause I was like, ah, oh, there's too many people and all this stuff. And like, I'm so used to like knowing what we're getting and like, like going for it, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's really relaxing to know what you're doing. <laughs> Definitely. Like, yeah. I totally, I totally oh, agree. Poor us. It was so awful having all this money I know. on this Nike commercial. You guys are so lucky you don't have a million dollars. <laughs> I can, uh, you know, as someone who ends up DPing more than directing, though, I feel like I've run into that on some jobs. Like, you start to get pulled into big jobs, and it's like you have all this crew around and stuff, and you're like, what do I, I, do don't, with I don't this? know what to do with these people. Right? Yeah. I don't want to just sit at a monitor and boss people around. Like, I like touching stuff and, you know, setting things up and whatever, so right. I yeah. can see that. Yeah, it's a bummer if, like, you show up and the natural light looks gorgeous and you have, like, a whole crew and a ton of equipment and you start feeling self-conscious for not using them. Yeah. But you really don't need them, yeah. you know? It's a weird, that's a weird thing to contend with you know yeah definitely so uh we uh we have a party to get to soon so i'm gonna yeah, wrap yeah. this up Word. especially with with sick daniel mm-hmm. but i have a couple kind of quick questions um that actually were sent in by other people to oh ask you shit guys. quick round quick round um so you can make these <laughs> as short or long an answer as you want mm, but very long we'll kind of speed. he's long-winded i'll go short we'll we'll speed around <laughs> speed around a few of these um how do you guys balance two people's decisions as directors, especially when you have a 50-50 split? The one who cares the most usually wins. For uh, that specific decision. And yeah. then when we really disagree, it's usually because there's a bigger problem. And and then we have to kind of like take a step back and be like, why does this matter so much to both of us? Oh, wait, we haven't figured out blank. Uh, but it's luckily we both have good taste and we're both tactful debaters. So like the best idea usually wins, you know, as opposed to just like with, with certain exceptions, like, you're able to have a thoughtful and hopefully logical conversation about, yeah, it we've kind of created a level playing field for debate. Uh, and only occasionally do I get really irate about like child actors being like, like, uh, and, and then my idea wins because I don't want to waste their time and like kid actors are delicate and I don't want to like give them direction and whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, Daniel, Daniel remember, 2 agrees. That's one of the only times I've been like I agree. stupid. Daniel 2 is back on the Halls train. I agree, yeah. Um, okay, speed <laughs> round number two. Do you have anything that you do to help make ridiculousness still feel real, especially with VFX? Yeah. With VFX. With VFX in particular, we try to do it practically, even if we know we're going to sweeten it in visual, visual effects. So like, there's always like, if there's going to be water, we want to throw some water around and then we can shoot some water on, you know, black screen or something and, and, yeah. you know, shoot as it. much as you can on set and then just stitch it all together. Later. Cause you start like noticing like, <clears throat> Oh wait, that's how leaves fall. If I'd done that in after effects, I would have done it wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, so like even things that are impossible, we do it a little real. Right. Or like, you know, barfing water, we, we put a tube in and we remove the tube instead of adding the water. Right. Because that's, that's not where people's eyes are going to go. And it's, right. It's more fun practically. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, the actors have a lot more fun. So Maybe. Did, <laughs> did you have to practically put your foot in his butt? For- yeah. <laughs> uh, he had to practically place his foot on my butt. No, no, no the other way oh, around. Yeah, my yeah, foot around. was on yeah, his yeah, butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, and then for the for him dragging me around, I, I he actually dragged me, but my butt was my foot wasn't in there. I was just holding onto his hips. Yeah, yeah, but that yeah. way he had an actual like weight to drag around. <laughs> yeah. So I had to like look away from his butthole and then get dragged around <laughs> on the hardwood floor. Yeah, like we said, shoot as much as you can in the camera. Yeah, yeah. And then stitch it all together later. <laughs> um, what 
is your guys' search for and decision-making process with DPs like? Hmm. Um, we've worked with our main DP, Larkin, a bunch. And uh, for me, I want to have, like, a common vocabulary and passion with the with the DP, you know? Like, the, the, the few, like, not wonderful experiences we've had, it was just, like, hard to talk, you know, about it. And I also, like, really love... Uh, a DP who's like um, decisive and passionate and opinionated, you know, like we don't, we don't like to hold our crew's hands, you know, and be like, this is exactly what I want. Um, half the time we're just like, do, do what you want. And we, I love that Larkin like uh, rises to that challenge and is like, hell yeah, I'll do what I want. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Larkin always puts story first and that's always really great. Like he's able to see the bigger picture. And if we don't have time to throw up that light, that's really going to make it look a lot better. Um, but he'll, he'll understand that, uh, in the end, if we just need to get the shot because we're, we have no money and no right. time. Um, and so he's always willing to find, uh, compromises to, to serve the story, but also knows when to push back and fight for something that will actually help the scene. Um, and that's always really important too. He's he's got a filmmaker's like a overall co- like um, <clears throat> an overall approach to, to to the cinematography. He understands covers. He understands editing. All that stuff's really important um, to have um, on your side. We don't uh, uh, pay that close attention to reels or like we're not like we don't hire people because they've made something that already looks like what we're doing. A lot of times when we're crewing up. It, uh, I rely a lot more on recommendations than reels. We're like, I just want to know if the person's like nice and yeah. like, fun to work with. Like, so like, you know, for aspiring DPs, I think just working, like having a nice reputation that yeah. you're like, nice to work with. You Don't know? be a like, jerk. Yeah, and and work with cool people too. Like just right. like to Cause, actively cause, try to work with nice people yeah. and be nice. Because past a certain point, you like. like any DB can make something look amazing with the, the right amount of money or the right time, you know? Um, and in the end, what you really need is someone who can make things look amazing, um, on the fly yeah, and, 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 and who can collaborate and who can compromise and who can find ways like who's a problem solver. That's what right. I really want. Cool. <laughs> um, so last viewer, listener, whatever viewer, I guess not, not who's watching <laughs> Brandon, Hello. Uh, listener, listener question. Um, six years ago, you guys leave film school, make some web videos. Where do you see yourselves in six years from now? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like Whoa. just like realistically and or perfect world. The star of my own reality show. Oh God! Like, Dude, then you can run for president. On my way to president that's town. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm thinking. Going. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll Maybe be, I'll be the one cabinet. It. I'll be the one editing. Yeah. In six yeah. years, I hope Trump's elected twice over. <laughs> I hope he's they've re- like repealed the only two terms thing, and I get to be in his cabinet. Dude, he'll just change terms like eight years long, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or he'll just forget. He just you know, it's like oh, how, how long has it been? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I good. wasn't president in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, exactly. it's, yeah. It's, I've only been two years. Come on, guys. Listen. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say I would be president back then. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Not that good this answer. Is political. None of us have political opinions. Oh no, I love Trump. I hope I have <laughs> very political towards six Trump. Six babies. Six babies. One for each. One year. for each year. Dude, wow, that's but. that's keeping busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, let's see, I want to have, ooh, I want to have 
one video game in production. That'll be good. That'll talk about Sweetheart. I love video games. What um, would your role be in that? A creative director, yeah. And I want to like be the motion capture artist yeah, for yeah, his video game. Yeah, yeah. For my, for my really sexy video game where all the characters walk oh, like yeah. sexy monsters. Making babies. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's when you make the six babies is while you're motion capturing. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta record that motion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it has to be authentic. Yeah. Have you seen Holy Motors? There's like an incredible mocap scene Same, in that. Mocap dance sex scene is so good. Yeah, it's pretty dope. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's a good movie. Scene. Um, yeah, so a video game, probably, let's see, Sixers, at least two more feature films that, that I don't know, who knows what they're going to be. Uh, I want to work with Rowan Atkinson at one point, probably sometime within the next six years. Um, Mr. Bean, for those of you guys who don't know, heck yeah, dude, is he right. still alive? Yeah, he yeah. is. <laughs> Get him while he's hot. I'm gonna yeah, bring him back. I'm gonna bring him back. He's uh, probably cheap now. I would uh, and, uh, no offense, I'm, Mr. I'm, Atkinson. I'm still gonna pay him more than he he deserves. Um, and then probably I'll probably have a couple of kids. Well, yeah, not six, not six. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you you'll still win. Yeah, so that, that's that's my sort of. I'll be a math teacher, there. and I'll math have my teacher. kids, and I'll be Dan's biggest <laughs> fan. <laughs> Slash mocap a slave. Yeah. <laughs> very, very disparate dreams. So yeah. Daniels won't exist. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, oh, I mean, no. Daniels as like a, as like a mocap slave and All slave right. driver. And yeah. Pres- presidential advisor. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Daniels was just a tool to meet Dana Radcliffe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then He's the third Daniel. All for sure. Yeah. 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 We're done with that. Yeah. Dude, you should have got him in on that. <sighs> Daniels three, but then you'd have to change the website. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And. That's a that's not too expensive. He's also just the things. worst. Yeah. <laughs> Real talk though. I know I said those last questions. Yeah. Was that how was how was working with like legit actors and, and celebrities and stuff? Have, have people generally been cool or you don't have to name drop? Yeah, or you can. You so can say with, they're horrible. With Paul and Daniel, the the casting process was so stressful because you, you don't get they don't read. You know, you just you just send them the script and say, do you want to be in it? Yeah. There is and no then, audition. You, it's either. You're in or you're out, so yeah. that's, which is kind of stressful from a director's mm-hmm. point of view. And then, Risky. Yeah, it's, it's a gamble. Yeah, yeah, so you're kind of gambling, and then like Paul had tons of feedback on all the drafts, and they were really smart notes, but it made me scared he was going to be hard to work with on set, mm-hmm. you know, on a tight schedule. Ratcliffe has like a lot of, he's so busy, and he has a huge team around him. And then they showed up to set, and they were just so lovely to work with, and just consummate professionals. They like made us look so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just the best collaborators. Very different processes from each other, but really, we, we were so lucky to be able to work with them on this crazy thing because they grounded it in such a beautiful way. Exactly yeah. what we needed for this project. Um, so we got really lucky. They're great. Real yeah. talk. And I, I think of myself as like, like I was an aspiring actor for a long time and like went to theater school and I feel like I know like what to expect from an actor and they both just kind of like blew me away with like what an actor could bring to like the filmmaking process. So it was like, Worth every penny. Yeah. They deserved more pennies. <laughs> Way more pennies. We did not pay them that Enough much pennies, at all. No. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool to hear. It's yeah. always good that people aren't jerks. Yeah. yeah. And we, <laughs> we also kind of picked them after doing some like research, like jerk research, jerk research. Yeah. That's our, that's our biggest thing with crew and cast is like doing some jerk research. <laughs> jerk research. Yeah. You can go like a number of different ways. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> jerk research. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, <laughs> I went online to Google Dana Ratcliffe to do some jerk research. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing some jerk research lately. There's some really creative jerks. Yeah. Like, like some, some really, really good guys out there that make yeah, a yeah. jerk list. Really yeah. good jerks. Yeah. I went around the world asking people how they jerk. Wait, what, what kind of jerks, jerks there are? Yeah. I think, I think we've devolved. Is this going to still be in the podcast, guys? Oh, Are you still God. listening? Yeah, he yeah. stopped recording a while okay. ago. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a... All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Us. We will not see you next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see you next go. time. See you next time. See you in Bye. six years. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs>